Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners and podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe that it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up, agency owners? Welcome to the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. We're hanging out here with Kat Howell, who is the owner and founder of 8Loop Social, a successful Facebook ads agency that has pioneered performance-based ads. She's worked with companies like Coca-Cola and Fujifilm to uh, help their brand take control of their social media presence and grow uh, in a way that inspires, impresses, and builds confidence in their abilities, products, and services. Welcome to the show, Kat. Great to have you here. Hey, Brent. Thanks for having me. So uh, tell me a little bit about how you started 8Loop Social. Uh, what what made you wake up one morning and say, I know, I'm going to start a digital agency? <laughs> uh, I wasn't quite uh, straight to the, the throat as in an agency. It started off as a freelancing gig for me. So I was I had tried to launch my own online business uh, about five years ago, and it was going to be this travel website. I was going to get bought out by Lonely Planet, um, make a billion dollars, and live on my private yacht. That was kind of the goal. And I didn't know anything about online marketing. I just thought you created a website and the crowds would come. So I learned pretty quickly uh, by losing my own money that that's not the case. That's not how things worked. And as a consequence, I ended up actually getting quite good at Facebook. And at the time, it was mostly content marketing. So five years ago, (laughs) people just wanted likes, and they just wanted content and engagement. It wasn't so much about the ads at that stage. And I started to get contracted out by some companies, and then the workload just grew. So I I knew I needed to build a, a team. And I've gone through a lot of ups and a lot of downs and upsizes and downsizing and uh, trying to figure out how to successfully build the agency model as a consequence of that. Yeah. 
So you got involved in Facebook back when you could post organic content as a business and people would actually see it. You didn't have to uh, pay for that quite yet. I know, right? It's like <laughs> back in my day. Yeah, it was. there wasn't even retargeting back then. I mean, it sounds crazy, right? Because it was only like four or five years ago. Retargeting didn't even exist. Um, so businesses back then, and, and we're talking like some large brands with big budgets here, they just didn't value social media or especially Facebook advertising. So it was kind of something the intern would do inside their, their business it was like, okay, here you go. Here's a little budget. And you really, really had to, um, it was just hard to, to sell it in. It was really hard. So a lot of it was just content marketing. That's what businesses wanted the most back then. Yeah. It's crazy just to think about how much that's changed in such a short period of time. I just, you know, yeah. thinking about the type of traffic, the targeting, the uh, some of the technology behind the Facebook tech on that. I, it, it almost, I mean, it, when you're in it, it feels like it's, it's happened over a really long period of time, but it really has only been just a few years versus thinking about, you know, Google ads and PPC. I mean, those have been out around for, you know, over a decade, whereas this is, this is pretty, still pretty new. And it sounds like you got in at a really good time of before it became, uh, you know, super big and you've hopefully been able to ride that a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely done a 180. And so now what we're seeing is businesses are just, you know, foaming at the mouth, trying to figure out how to leverage this platform and of course, it's because it's so new, there's very few people that are very good at it. Um, and internally, most of these companies don't have that skill set. So they are looking to agencies or contractors or freelancers for that, for that sort of support and that work. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's changed. I mean, you can see that in the costs as well. Four or five years ago, you could get a, a link click of a high quality business owner for about five cents. It was, it was just crazy. And nowadays you're paying about $3 for the same person. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I mean, I even just, I remember last summer for a lot of our webinar advertising and in some of those funnels that we've built. I mean, we've definitely, you know, it, it seems like the, the days of the super cheap traffic are kind of behind us, which I think in a way, I mean, it's good. It kind of separates out, you know, the people that are, uh, that maybe don't have a great product or they're, you know, they're not able to sell to the, to, to afford that kind of thing. It kind of does kind of weed them out of the market, but there, there definitely was a, a period of time where traffic on Facebook as a platform was pretty cheap. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So tell me about eight loop social a little bit. You mentioned ups and downs, uh, kind of upsizing, downsizing, all that kind of stuff. Where, where are you guys at today? Yeah, so it's interesting. When I first started my, when I first decided, okay, I'm going to build an agency, I had this vision. I was really fixated on the ping pong tables and <laughs> <laughs> the like blackboard, the chalkboard walls. And, yeah. you know, I think it's like the fantasy, like it's, it, it's so romantic, right? Like I'm an agency owner, check out this office space. Like I'm so cool. And it really appealed to me. And I was so fixated on having a local team with that office space. And, um, the reality is, depending on, especially in the industry that we're in, which is Facebook advertising, that's what we specialize in. The reality is, depending on where you live in the world, uh, you're kind of restricted if you're going local to the local talent pool. 
Um, and so as a consequence of that, what 8Loop looks like nowadays is kind of a hybrid. So we have about half of our team worldwide now. And then we have a core team of about nine of us uh, in Auckland. So um, yeah, it's not, it, it started off being all local. And then we just realized trying to find funnel builders, direct response, copywriters, all of that stuff. It was just very difficult to source that just in Auckland, New Zealand, where, where we're based. Yeah. So how do you guys uh, balance that, I guess, with a, a half virtual team, half uh, in-house team? I, I feel like I, I more often than not hear about people that are you know, all local or they're all virtual. Uh, I don't meet too many kind of hybrid companies. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's many out there, but you know, what are some of the things you guys do to make that work? Yeah, so we, um, we have a very, very flexible work life policy or whatever you want to call it. So uh, our team can actually, we're not expecting anyone to come in from nine to five, basically. And the team have, they work on projects and they're organized around projects. And then we obviously have tools that we use to support communication between the teams. And uh, there's always someone responsible for each project. And they will link up meetings with everyone. And usually that's done over like something like Zoom, um, where the whole team can basically um, powwow together for about an hour or however long that takes. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it is harder than just doing a local team because when you have a local team, it's very easy for your, your, your team to just turn around and go, Hey, Stuart, like, how do I do this? Or is this right? Versus when you are running remotely, your communication lines have to be a lot more efficient. Um, and the processes that you have to have in place have to be a lot more efficient because that's not as easy to uh, to do. So it is um, it is down to those processes, like building those standard operating procedures and then organizing uh, your team into projects and making sure that there's one person responsible, um, organizing those times and organizing that team around different projects, campaigns or, or client activities. Yeah. I love that idea of having one person kind of ultimately responsible for that project because so often you talk to people where it's kind of, oh, I'm going to do this part of it. I'm going to do this part of it. And, you know, who's who's really accountable for this? And, and, and I think that's a smart way to design that out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because otherwise a, a lot of um, agencies will let the account manager, especially when they're quite small or trying to to scale, which I think a lot of your listeners are probably at that stage. So the tendency is to let the account manager run the account. Um, and so the expectation is the account manager will manage these projects. But the reality is account managers, a lot of them don't have the, the actual tactical um, skill set or expertise to be able to manage the team or set the right expectations around what actually needs to be done when. So it is kind of a different, it is kind of a different position inside of the agency. And if nothing else, if you don't have a project manager or people that have that kind of tactical experience that can project manage, then it almost uh, is better off falling on the uh, strategist. So the 
uh, whether that's your Facebook strategist or your funnel strategist, uh, an implementer to manage the project is better off than an account manager. Hmm. So somebody actually kind of getting their hands dirty, uh, you know, in, in the work. Yeah, because it's just hard for the account manager to, if they don't have that ex- expertise, it's just hard for them to know what's missing or what needs to happen to to hit the client targets or to hit the goals or whatever that might be. Yeah. When I was introducing you, I mentioned that uh, Fujifilm New Zealand and Coca-Cola had been uh, clients of yours. And, and you know, we like to, to talk about the, the big clients, but who's a typical client? Are those typical clients for 8Loop Social or, or what do you guys typically work with? No, we, we typically work with high ticket events and we're doing a lot of uh, coaches as well nowadays. So people that are selling online digital product products, whether that's online courses or um, high ticket coaching programs. And the reason that we, they're very, very difficult funnels to work with, but the reason that we really like them is because they're very scalable. Uh, so we were doing a lot of e-commerce and we were running into issues with fulfillment. So clients would run out of product and it would stunt everything. And especially if you're on kind of a revenue share performance based model, it really uh, starts to kill your revenue from that account. So we, um, we really like the coaching niche because it's an extremely scalable niche to work with. Yeah. Like you just have more uh, available kind of acquisition costs to work with, which plays well with Facebook? Or is it that if I have a course that's delivered digitally, I can literally deliver unlimited amounts of those? Yeah. Know? It's an information product, right? Okay. So it's, it's in many ways un- like unlimited yeah. in most cases generalization sometimes they they do have caps yeah yeah i mean if i'm i imagine if i'm doing coaching like one-to-one that might be a little yeah super mm-hmm. limited but those info products and stuff like that i mean i've seen those you know scale like in crazy ways where people are just trying to find the top end of the market and facebook will give it to you yeah yeah so how do you find those clients? What's your typical kind of run-of-the-mill recipe for getting out there and picking up, you know, these coaches and folks as customers? Yeah, so we use uh, we use Facebook ads. <laughs> Imagine that. I was I was, was kind of waiting. I was like wondering. I was like, what, what is she going to say? Yeah. Like referrals and word of mouth, right? We tell everybody else Facebook's how to go, but uh, you know, so that's good. That's good. Yeah. I like I like that. Yeah, it was it was actually funny because when I was. I had like this massive imposter syndrome when I was getting started out because a lot of my initial clients were uh, networks and referral based. And, and then when I decided to be like specialized in Facebook advertising, when I realized I was really good at that and that there was a, a need and a demand for that, I started to get really, I don't know. I just, I felt like an imposter because it was like, if I'm a Facebook agency, surely I should be able to land my clients through Facebook. So I spent a really, really long time and a lot of money trying to figure that out. Um, and now that's probably 90% of our, our clientele and our leads come from our Facebook funnels. And then the rest, uh, we do. We are starting to kind of um, get a lot of organic leads that come through nowadays as well through our website uh, or referral-based, yeah. I, you know, it surprises me that how many people out there in the digital marketing space who have their craft, whether that's websites or search or advertising, 
Uh, and yet, yet their preferred method of getting clients is sometimes rarely the same thing as what they do for customers. So I just want to give you props for, uh, you know, practicing what you, what you're obviously preaching. And, and you know, in my experience, that also gives you kind of a little bit of a, a testing ground or a lab to try out some new things that clients might not be, you know, ready for yet or, or that kind of stuff. Are, are you guys experimenting and, you know, taking some of the things that you're doing with your own business and applying that to your clients? Absolutely. That's why we also specialize in those two industries and niches because we we do run our own high ticket events and we um, we just spend a lot of time cracking those and the learning curve uh, that it takes to get to that stage it's invaluable, right? It takes a lot of time and resources to learn a new type of funnel or learn a new type of um, strategic approach to a, an industry or a niche. So when you have that knowledge within your team, it's almost, it's like stupid to not leverage that, right? Or to send your team off and do something completely different. So that's why we work with high ticket funnels because my team um, runs these funnels for the company anyways, and they're really good at them. So we may as well just use that skill set. And, and we do test out on our funnels and then anything that works there, we, we roll out with our clients. Yeah. Let's talk about specialization for a second, because I think you've, you've already said some interesting things about this, but I know a lot of people out there are, you know, resistant to this idea of specialization, or maybe they just haven't found their specialization yet. So, uh, you know, you kind of mentioned your backstory was, um, you know, through this travel stuff and you were using social media as a means to grow that. And that was kind of a, a way that you've, you, you found Facebook and got good at that. Um, you know, was there a moment in time where you said, you know, we're going to plant our flag and this is what we do. We're going to do Facebook, high ticket sales funnels and, you know, not do anything else. Um, you know, and, and if there was, can you tell us a little bit about that process? I think the process was called burnout. <laughs> <laughs> tell me more. I think the process was called hitting a freaking wall. Um, because when a lot of agency owners, when we get started out, we want to offer everything. And we do that a lot of the times because we're afraid that the client is going to, you know, the client wants email marketing or they want web dev or they want Google. And we're afraid that if we don't offer that, A, we're losing potential revenue. And because we're a startup, uh, because we're, you know, trying to bootstrap this business, any revenue is good. And then we're also afraid that if the client goes to another agency, that potentially uh, threatens our position with that client, right? So mm. there's a tendency to just do everything and offer everything, content, community management, web dev, Google. I think I realized very quickly that unless you have uh, capital to essentially build out the teams required to service that, even if you find a couple unicorns inside of your company that are very good at all of those things, um, you're kind of overstretching yourself and you're just going to end up not being very good at any of them. And I think what was, what, what happened in my situation was I definitely, we, we just hit a wall. We just hit a wall where we were offering all of these different things. It was requiring all of these different contractors and, and teams within the, the company and, it just wasn't working out. And I realized that if I can just focus on Facebook 
and uh, we do still do a little bit of content, but it's, uh, it's, it's like one or two clients that we'll do it for. Um, by doing that, I, basically, I, I could hear I, that in your voice of like, we still do this other thing, but only yeah. for a couple of people. <laughs> Yeah, we we still have like our very first client on our books. So my very, very first client, he's still on our books. Um, They're a big uh, car mechanic franchise and um, we still do their content. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have like this thing where it's like bad luck to lose your first client. I don't know who told me that. It was another agency owner. So I'm like terrified to lose this client, you know? So we just bend over backwards for them. And uh, so we've continued to do their content. But yeah, I, just by focusing on one um, on one service, it's allowed us to position ourselves as experts at that service, um, which means we can charge a lot more for what we're doing as well. It means that my team, I, I, I end up having a, like a, a lean, mean, um, you know, working machine that's just honed in with their expertise and their skill set and it means the clients get the results that they're after as well yeah and then you just create strategic uh, relationships with other agency partners around different services that um, your client might be requiring but if someone came to us asking for google we wouldn't even we would we would straight away refer them to someone else yeah I feel like at the, I mean, the reward for specialization is, uh, you know, some of the things you've mentioned, right? I mean, you, you, you are viewed as the expert. It's kind of like this, uh, you get this abundant benefits yet. The fear is that, you know, if I send my client off to do a logo with somebody else, they're going to take over the website business and the ad business or whatever. If I send somebody to do a website, you know, they're going to go start doing their Facebook ads and I'm going to lose that client yet. The, you know, usually it's the reverse that's true, which is, you know, that stuff's not going to distract you and you're going to get more, more clients that just want Facebook ads versus wanting the 50 different services you used to offer. Mm. I think another fear as well is hedging all your bets on, um, you know, a, a service that, for example, um, Google or, or Twitter or Facebook, we don't own those platforms, right? And there's a lot of murmuring, you know, Facebook's going to die in five years times, it's not going to be around. So I guess there is also a fear that if I go and position myself, you know, as a Facebook expert, and then in three years time, Facebook isn't what it is. What does that mean for my, 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 what is the longevity of my company of my business? But I think to that point, I think if you're not prepared to move swiftly in any industry in any business, like you look at Blockbuster or anything like that, you're just, it doesn't matter what you're doing, right? You could be all over the place offering every service. You'll still go, um, you'll still go down if you're not adapting or willing to change rapidly to what's actually happening in the marketplace. Yeah. So you mentioned a couple of words like burnout, uh, hitting a wall, uh, like specifically, what does that mean? I mean, I, I can imagine in my head, okay, that means that you guys were doing too many things for too many people, working too many hours. Business was complex, but uh, like, is there a, a you know what did burnout or hitting a wall look like? Did you end up having to let go half of your staff? Did you end up like having to take a month off and go rethink the business? I mean, what what was that like? You know, give me a little bit of description there. 
Yeah, I've had a lot of burnout. So <laughs> it looked like everything, all of the above. Just seven espressos at, at 3 a.m. Sometimes all of them, sometimes one at one. I had, uh, when I started my agency, I was eight months pregnant. So that was probably one good, of the first. It's a good time outs. to start a business, right? <laughs> yeah. Nothing on the horizon, yeah. nothing about to change. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've I've gone through it all. I've I've remember at one stage I had a team of like twelve, um, and within two months I had to make everyone redundant, and it was the most horrible experience. It was just devastating because you feel responsible for these people. Uh, but I I just I had hit a wall in the sense that I was I was exhausted. I was mentally exhausted. I felt frustrated. I felt like I was doing all the work. It felt like my team wasn't helping me. It when in reality, what was actually happening was that I was not pricing myself properly and I did not have the proper training and systems and processes in place. But of course, where do you learn this from, right? So unless you have actually worked inside of an agency, um, and even then you're very isolated to what uh, those, you know, how that, how business runs um, in general, right? So where would you learn this from? You just don't pick this up in school, right? And of course, I didn't know, um, I didn't, you know, everyone talks about processes and you're like, okay, great, I'm going to do an Excel sheet. I didn't really get what processes meant or how to even create processes. I didn't uh, get, I didn't understand that. I didn't train my team properly. We, we grew very, very quickly. And I kind of just expected people to hit the ground running and then, you know, when that wasn't happening, I was having to fix everything, do everything. I was working crazy hours in my business and I was just exhausted and the business wasn't turning money. So I had to let people go. And um, yeah, that was, that, was, that was probably the worst um, burnout that 8Loop went through. Um, and I guess like the, in hindsight, the benefits of that experience was that it did teach me about the importance of standard operating procedures. And it also taught me that I should never be involved in HR, that I'm, it's not my core competence and I, I should not be uh, the one managing people or um, training people because that's not, it just, it doesn't get done properly when I'm, so it taught me about my own core competences and, and competencies, I guess, and where I needed to sit within my business and also the importance of those processes. Yeah. Just that self-awareness is such a, I mean, as an entrepreneur, I feel like that's so valuable, you know, early on you have this kind of can do mindset. I'm going to, I'm going to do it all right. Just, but just to realize I mean, like you just said, I'm not good at HR. I'm gonna so so does somebody else in Eight Loop Social now is is somebody else in charge of that? What is, what is that seat called? Yeah, that's our uh, operating director. So she does all of the HR stuff, and then we have uh, if we needed someone to get trained, we have most of our standard operating procedures in place now. Um, and there's various people in the team that are responsible for different processes and, and responsible for keeping those updated. Or if there's something we realized was missing from a process that didn't work well, um, then they're responsible for, for updating that as well. I do also, I, I still build some of those operating procedures. 
Um, but normally, so for example, our, um, our uh, funnel and integration specialists would be building, so he would build processes around all the automations. Uh, that would be his job so that when we hire an automation support staff, they, um, they don't need me, they don't need our operations persons, they, they don't need anyone on the team except for that access to that process. It's all laid out really uh, cleanly for them. Yeah. I assume today you're not currently uh, in burnout mode or are you uh, uh, at a different stage of your entrepreneurial journey? No. So I'm, I, you know, like that whole concept of core competence, it's like, honestly, Brent, it's something I only realized about seven months ago and it has, it has, can I swear? (laughs) (laughs) My business and my life because, um, I was the, I was the, this is the case for a lot of people. Like I was the expert, you know, I, I was the freelancer, I was the contractor. And then, so I was the implementer. And as a result, you tend to, it's very hard for you to relinquish the reins to a team because you're, the reality is you'll never find a replacement of yourself. Right. Um, and, and that can be a very, very difficult thing to come to terms with as a business owner, right? Because you want to make sure that everything, all the outputs you're putting out there are the best that they can possibly be. What I have come to realize in the last seven months is that there are things that I'm very good at and I can do much better than other people, but I actually, I hate doing them. Like I will procrastinate doing it or when I'm doing it, I'm just not enjoying it. Um, There are things that I fundamentally suck at. For example, I'm really bad at accounting and I'm really bad at hiring and and training people. And then there's things that I uh, call, uh, I get into flow. So that's your core competence, right? Where when you're doing it, you lose track of time. You enjoy doing it. Um, As soon as you're in it, it's basically like you're consumed by it. People have to pry you away from it. And I've realized that the goal in business, in any business that you run, should always be, as an entrepreneur, identify the, the, one, the activities that get you into a state of flow. And that's going to be so different for everyone. Everyone, someone, it might be copywriting, another person, it might be sales. But identify those activities and do everything in your power to uh, get yourself out of all of the activities, the other ones, as quickly as possible. So you basically recruit your team and uh, around g- removing yourself from the other stuff. Because if you can operate from a space of core competence, um, then you will have a much, like the concept of work-life balance doesn't exist. Burnout doesn't exist because you're doing things that get you into a state of flow. So I still work really hard. I still work really long hours, but it doesn't feel like that anymore it, because it's stuff that I really like. It's, it's all creative ideas, brain dumps, uh, content marketing, videos, that kind of stuff, meeting people, chatting with people. Like it doesn't feel like work, so I don't get burnt out by it. Um, and, and if you're just getting started out and you don't have you know, a team yet to offload those other activities, just, just bite the bullet short term. Don't take as much money out of your business. Don't, that was what I did as well as, you know, my revenues would grow and I would grow my own salary. 
going like, woohoo. Um, when in reality, just that's a very short sighted way to run a business for, uh, you know, for a few months, just leave that fat in the business. Don't take out as much of an, an income um, so that you can make that game plan to remove yourself from any activity that you really are not into flow. And if you can do that, you'll have a great business that really excites you and it'll probably be way more successful as well. That is definitely some uh, agency life wisdom. Kat, thank you so much. That's been, uh, I mean, I, I feel motivated and inspired as an entrepreneur. Um, are you ready for our lightning round? Yes. What is the best advice you've ever received? Uh, best advice. Oh my God. Okay. I'm, this is like jokes. I'm really bad at like fast thinking like that. Best advice I ever received. I mean, it, it's gotta be this core competence stuff. It just changed my life. Yeah. And, and the other thing is uh, the best advice I ever received was take responsibility for your reality. So you create your reality and that includes all the shit that's not working for you. Um, yeah. It's a different perspective on life. Yeah. I, I love, I mean, I love your whole thing on flow. It's going to be uh, for our listeners. Uh, some of the the key takeaways and show notes, check those out at yougurus.com slash podcast. Um, we're definitely going to have some really good, rich show notes uh, for today. Um, but that take responsibility, that's huge. I think just, you know, if you're, if you're not where you are, where you want to be today, you know, it's, it's not like your fault, but it just, it's, it's the, your, your prior actions have gotten you there and you can change that. So that's a, a great takeaway. Uh, which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I am, uh, I am, I guess the word or the term is I am naively confident. So I, uh, I guess it's like blind confidence. I'm just very confident in what I do. And, you know, if I had all the information, all the data, and sometimes in hindsight, I look at what I've done and I'm go, oh my God, why, how did I, why did I do that? That was such a weird idea at the time. But what it, that does to me, it makes me uh, relentless where I keep getting back up because I have failed many, many times. And the reality is, when you become an entrepreneur or a business owner, an agency owner, you're going to face challenges. And um, some of those are there to help you grow and to learn, but they're going to happen. And if you just uh, if you just buckle down every time you face a challenge, um, you're just not going to get very far. Yeah. Can you share an internet resource, an app, or a tool that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable? Uh, as in content or just like a tool that we use tool that your company uses a tool that you personally use a, an app, a platform, something that stands out to you as something that's been, uh, uh, important for you individually as an agency owner or for your agency itself. Well, I like your podcast. That's a good start. <laughs> nice, nice plug. Yeah, that's good. Yes. <laughs> um, as an agency owner, uh, one of the, the one of the coolest things that we've done is make made sure that we had a really robust CRM system. Um, we're currently using uh, HubSpot, which is enterprise level, so it can get a little bit expensive. 
but it's uh, it's really changed the way we work with clients and uh, our, our pipeline, our sales pipeline as well. Yeah. What book would you recommend and why? Oh, hands down, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. It will change your life. Yeah. It's amazing. It's all about that premise that you create your reality. And if you don't have what you want to have right now, if you have cash flow issues or if you're having business issues or client issues or anything like that, it's because you're putting out that frequency. Um, it's very woohoo, uh, but it's uh, the guy is a quantum uh, physicist and he ties science behind with um, that's what I needed. So I never believed in that stuff before meditation, all of that. I was like, oh, it's too woohoo, you know, go in and smoke a joint, hippie <laughs> um, type stuff. And he was the guy that pulled me across the line because he ties science with it. And his book, um, I've just, his YouTube videos, all of that, go do yourself a favor, just go and watch everything the guy puts out. It will change your life. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure to uh, link out to the book as well as uh, any other supporting resources that we can find about uh, him as well. How can our audience find out more about you and uh, where can they check out some stuff that you uh, that might be helpful? Yeah, sure. So they can go to cathowell.com. And also I'm uh, regularly posting inside of the Facebook group, Facebook Ad Hacks. Very cool. Well, we will also uh, link out to those. Uh, Kat, thank you so much for stopping by the show today. This has been fascinating, inspiring, motivating. Uh, I think you've got an impressive agency, and I hope our listeners have taken lots of notes today uh, uh, that can apply to their business. So thanks for stopping by today. You got it. Thanks for having me. All right. That is our show for this week for the Digital Agency Show. Tune in each and every week for more great content to help you guys grow your digital agency. Until then, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now, it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge is blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show. 